Do you suffer from chronic pain? Do you have long COVID symptoms but still can't get answers? Listen to today's episode, episode 35, The Recovery. My guest today is Arun Najawan, who's the co-founder of Minda.Health. Minda.Health is an evidence-based virtual pain recovery program. Listen to Arun and I tell our story of recovery from chronic pain to long COVID. Our goal today and the purpose of this episode is to have people feel heard and cared for. We want to give you a little hope and our goal is for you to not suffer as much. Welcome to the How Coronavirus Saved My Life podcast. My name is Christine. I'm a mental health nurse practitioner who got coronavirus in April of 2020 and had long COVID symptoms for months. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting better until I healed myself through unwinding my childhood conditioning. This is my story on how coronavirus saved my life and how I healed myself along with others sharing their own personal stories and how they are navigating through their own healing. How Coronavirus Saved My Life, Episode 35, The Recovery. I recently read a Medscape article predicting long COVID could cost the economy trillions. Per the CDC, nearly one in five still have long COVID symptoms. And the worst part of this scenario There are currently no treatment guides for long-term COVID. Having long COVID was scary for me. I was often short of breath, rapid heart rate out of nowhere, anxiety all the time. I had facial swelling, short-term memory issues, extreme fatigue, and the worst one was brain fog. My brain was different. I was no longer a quick thinker. I could no longer tolerate any kind of stress or heavy workloads. I was different and I was afraid. At the beginning of the pandemic, I had started listening to guided meditations and cut out most of social media for my own mental well-being. Once I had long COVID, I was still listening to guided meditations, but I was constantly on Twitter reading long COVID stories of people suffering all over the world. Long COVID stories of not healing, long COVID stories of worsening symptoms, long COVID stories of people not getting answers from the medical community, doctors, or hospitals, long COVID stories of people back in the ER two days later with the same symptoms. The world was suffering, and so was I. One day, I ran across an article on Twitter discussing the cardiac effects of long COVID, By the end of the article, I was convinced I would need heart surgery, and I was distraught. But that's not where my story ended. This is where my journey of long COVID recovery began. My guest today has a similar story of recovery, a story of chronic pain recovery. His pain was very real, but the solution was not pain meds. The solution was not opioids. The solution was not in his body. My guest today is Arun. He started his chronic pain journey at a young age from kidney transplant, cancer, and degenerative disc disease. He had severe back pain and could hardly walk. And he was only 24 and he was suffering. 
but that's not where his story ended. This is where Rune's journey of chronic pain recovery began. On today's episode, I speak with Arun. He is the co-founder of Mendo.Health. Arun and Mendo.Health are on a mission to enable every person suffering from chronic pain to feel heard and cared for. Mendo.Health is an evidence-based online pain reprocessing treatment for pain. Mendo.Health provides an online virtual non-opioid pain care. The purpose of today's episode is for Arun and I to share our story of long COVID and chronic pain recovery to provide other paths and potential solutions to your chronic pain and long COVID symptoms that worked for us. We want to share our recovery story with you and give you a different perspective for getting better because we are passionate about helping others not suffer anymore. Hi, Arun. Welcome to the show. Thank you for coming today to help me tell my own story of long COVID recovery while telling your story of chronic pain recovery. Thanks for having me, Christine. Appreciate it. Yeah, I I was telling you right before we started recording, I've never really talked about my long COVID recovery and timing is just kind of everything. Everything happens when it's supposed to happen because I was just never realized like, why did I never talk about it? I talked about a little bit in the beginning of my podcast episodes and kind of techniques that worked, but I didn't go. I mean, I have pictures of myself when I had all the long COVID and facial swelling and a weird looking tongue and all these kind of things. And so I love that we are aligned right now and in sync and you can tell your story where I tell my story, what worked for you worked for me. Um, cause there are many paths to healing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, so before, and to anyone listening who has, well, I was going to say to anyone listening who has chronic pain or any other chronic illness and to you, it can be really isolating. There can be shame involved. It can be really challenging to talk openly and for the fear of being misunderstood so totally normal that you haven't shared. And it took me a long time to talk openly about what I went through as well. I love that you just said that because sometimes you feel crazy, <laughs> you know, sometimes you feel like no one understands. And I've been hearing a lot of that with the long COVID stuff, people going to different specialists, neurologists, um, different specialties and getting no answers to the point where marriages are starting to suffer because the spouse is like, something's wrong with you. This is mental, you know? And so I love that we're able to discuss this, um, because it is, it is, there's so many dynamics to it and people, I love what Health says, like we want people to feel heard and cared for. And I feel like that's also kind of what we're doing today. Like people to feel heard and cared for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the third part is for people to find answers. Yes. Right. There's, yes. you know, there are spaces in which you can feel heard and cared. And that's really, really important um, to generate a feeling of openness and safety. And then beyond that, you know, if you're suffering, you want an answer. You want a solution and that's yes. part of it too. And that's really important. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about those. Um, okay. Before we get started about your incredible, not always easy journey of pain recovery, Arun, can you give the listeners a little background about yourself, such as kind of where you grew up, where you went to college, any degrees you might have, and then three things you think we should know about you. Oh gosh. Um, so I grew up 
outside of Boston, Massachusetts, uh, in a town called Lexington. For anyone who is a history buff, that is where the Revolutionary War started. Uh, you may have remember the Battle of Lexington Concord. Um, so to put it in perspective, a really beautiful town, a really historic town. And my parents emigrated uh, to there from India. They were first generation. And so I got to grow up as you know, an American citizen, but an Indian American citizen. Um, and I, you know, had a pretty normal childhood. I went to middle school, high school, I played sports, I studied, you know, I graduated from, from high school and uh, ended up actually going to school in Toronto at the University of Toronto and studied uh, astrophysics. And that's because my high school physics teacher was someone I really looked up to and respected. And he was the kind of guy who um, always, you know, had a lot of enthusiasm. And when he was kind of doing all his demonstrations, uh, you know, throwing tennis balls and using springs and all those kind of things, I was very fascinated. Um, and what's cool is, you know, many years later, now I'm involved in healthcare, not exactly the same thing, but the background and understanding and how, you know, energy moves and how the body works and how all these things are related um, has come quite in handy and just thinking about, you know, the neurobiology of pain uh, and talking to a lot of doctors and, and potential patients about it. So um, it's been a fun journey to go from, you know, being an average student, average high school kid, uh, kind of going, getting a degree and then coming to something that I'm very passionate about and being able to kind of connect all the dots um, it's been really nice for me. Yeah. That is really cool. Cause I didn't know that about the astrophysics. That's really cool. Cause I sort of have my own story, not about astrophysics, but quantum physics, um, that helped me with the energy, like everything is energy and energy never dies. It only changes. So I, I think that's super cool. I, I, we have such similar stories and that we're just getting started. So I'm super excited. Yeah. Um, so let's start at the beginning of your chronic pain story. Sure. How old were you kind of tell us what happened? Yeah, I was 24 at the time and I was very active. So I used to play basketball a few times a week, you know, and other sports. I used to go hiking on the weekends. I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, so a very outdoorsy place in California. Um, and I was part of this regular basketball league. And I remember playing a game and I came home. And after the game, I was in such severe pain mm. from my lower back shooting down my leg that I was in tears. It was incredibly painful. And I, I just felt like something was really wrong. So Naturally, I went to see my doctor the next day and started physical therapy and had got medications when I left the hospital. And that was kind of the beginning of the chronic pain journey. Um, it lasted five years. So wow. that was the very beginning. And there's a story that I like to tell, which is I was seeing this doctor in San Francisco at the University of California, San Francisco. So it's one of the top medical schools. It's one of the top hospitals in the country. And I had this doctor who was phenomenal. He had seen me through a lot of other stuff. And you had mentioned very briefly, you know, kidney transplant and, and other things. So I was someone who were very fortunate to have a really good medical team. 
And when I saw this doctor, I felt a lot of confidence that he was going to tell me what was going on and I was going to get better. And I went home with this medication, which was a muscle relaxant mm-hmm. called baclofen. Mm-hmm. And because I had, you know, all my muscles from my lower back to my kind of stomach were spasming that day mm. and from the night before. And I remember taking it on the bus home from the hospital, from the, from the doctor's office. And it started to work pretty quickly within 20 minutes. Um, and then from the bus stop to my house, there's about a 10 minute walk and there was this park in between. And I was walking from the bus stop to my home through this park. And I decided to just sit on a bench because I was feeling a little tired from the pain, you know? Mm-hmm. And I sat down on this bench and I fell asleep for three hours. Oh my goodness. And this medication just knocked me out. So I was feeling so much better. And I had this crazy experience where I was just so jarred by, you know, this medication I was taking. And um, I woke up and I just didn't even know where I was. Wow. Wow. And so that was kind of scary. And, you know, so both hopeful, scary, and kind of, that was the very beginning of it. Um, And there was a lot of twists and turns obviously in between that I'm happy to to talk about. Oh yeah, for sure. And I love what you just said, because I can sort of see now, like how the journey of someone who starts becoming dependent on that, because if you're, you know, having this excruciating pain and you're giving this medicine that knocks you out because you're so you're hurting, like what else are you supposed to do? Right. And I can see where people would want to keep kind of chasing that, you know, um, chasing that, just make it go away. You know, even if that means I'm asleep, right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the people we work with through Menda, you know, don't love the medications they're on. Yeah, they're effective and they Mm -hmm. help, um, but there are side effects and there's all the other things that come with it. Um, And it's kind of the one of those like, you know, double edged sword where you need to take it. And there's other things that are very unpleasant about them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was talking to one of my colleagues who had done some clinicals in um, like a chronic pain, um, a pain uh, doctor's office. And you know, the way she described it, it was people just when a provider is talking to a client about let's decrease these meds. I mean, they're, they're aggressive. They get aggressive because what are they supposed to do? Right. Like they're, which is interesting because as providers, you know, we, we want to try to get some of these people off these medications, but we're not offering anything in addition. I mean, I feel like, like, what else are we supposed to do? Like you're, you're taking away the thing that's helping them, but there's no other solutions. Okay. Do some back exercises. You know what I mean? Like I've had so many clients that have said, I do that. It doesn't work. You know what I mean? And so I love that we're, we're going to tell our story and kind of offer these other solutions. Um, so I love it. Okay. Yeah. So, so you were on the park bench, you woke up and then kind of what happened after that? Yeah, that, you know, began kind of a pretty long journey. And it's a bit of a blur, almost even looking back, right, you're in pain, um, it affects all aspects of your life, right? So from the moment you wake up to how you move, your relationships, uh, your work, every aspect is kind of interfered by what's happening in your body. Um, 
I took my doctor's recommendations very seriously, you know, from the medication to he recommended that I go to physical therapy. And I went to the physical therapy clinic that works with the San Francisco baseball team, the Mm. Giants, right? So, you know, I was getting the best care and I was very hopeful. And I remember the first time I went, um, the therapist took me through some stretches and put some ice and did a little bit of massage at the end of the, the session. And I was feeling a lot better. And so I was very hopeful and I thought that this was going to be it. Um, but then, you know, slowly the pain started to creep back. So I went to my therapy session the next week and the same kind of thing happened, but the pain started to come back a day later. And I kind of went through this oscillating, you know, experience for six months and I thought it was going to get better, but the pain actually kept getting worse. Mm. So the trajectory was the opposite. It started to affect both legs. Um, I started to get some pain in my shoulders to the point where I couldn't lift my arms very easily. And so naturally I went back to my doctor and he said, okay, let's do an MRI. Let's make sure there's nothing serious going on. And so the MRI results came back a few days later and he gave me a diagnosis of, of something called degenerative disc disease. Mm-hmm. And I remember leaving that appointment very scared, very confused, because yeah. there's no answer for that. He, he essentially said, you're going to have to live with this. It's called degenerative disc disease. I'm 24, 25 years old, and my disc is already degenerating, you know? Um, so pretty scary. There was a referral to kind of the spine clinic at the same time. And, you know, I started seeing more and more doctors to try and figure out were there any answers for this pain that I was feeling? And at the same time, started to cut out all the fun activities that, you know, I talked about in the very beginning, basketball, hiking, to the point where I even stopped walking for more than a few minutes. Um, So my life just took a 180 from that moment. And I was asking myself, like, how could someone my age be experiencing something so life-changing and there was a lot of just questions wow that is so powerful Arun like that's just I I mean you're young you're young and you're that's your whole life has changed and I'm sure you had a whole like goals for yourself like things you want to accomplish where you know what you want to do and it's almost like you, I, I love what you said. You said you don't remember a whole lot of it. It really is like time stopped. Like that's the feeling I get. Like time just stopped. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you capture that perfectly. Time kind of stops. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and I, I was thinking too, as you're telling your story, like you had the best resources, you had access to the best resources and like I work at the county hospital, you know, where people, a lot of people are homeless and don't have a lot of money. And, you know, just thinking about them, you know, like they don't have access to those resources, you know, but you are an example that had access to all the resources and you still could not get answers. Yeah. Yeah. I had health insurance. I had a stable job. I had, you know, I was in a city where there was good care. Um and I was left with probably more questions than answers at the end of, you know, all of that. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, I remember when my own long COVID, um, before I actually had the acute COVID symptoms, I actually started having long COVID symptoms before that. Um, so it was interesting because like before I, you know, was positive and running fever and all that stuff, like one day I woke up and my hands were like this and I couldn't move my fingers. And at my husband at the time I was married, um, I was like, can you move my fingers? Like, I just woke up like this. And I thought, this is what I thought. Oh, here comes my arthritis, like, because it runs in my family. And he was like, couldn't move my fingers, but it was weird because then a couple hours later I could move my fingers. And I was like, well, that's weird. And it did it several other times. I thought, oh, maybe it's carpal tunnel. You know, it was just so strange because like with my symptoms, they would wax and wane and that I would only have one symptom at a time. Like I'd have brain fog for several hours. And I mean, I, I one time I thought I had a stroke because my daughter, she was like, mommy, you were so mean to that lady. And I was like, what lady, you know, like what happened? Like, I don't even remember. And here I'm driving around with my, my daughter in the car and I'm having this brain fog and apparently these mood swings, you know, and you know, I was like, I think I've had a stroke. Like I need to go to the hospital, but I ended up like, I'm going to go swimming. I need some sun. And a couple hours later it was better. And I was like, well, that was weird, you know? And so, you know, but you don't know when you're in it at the time, like you feel like you feel helpless, you feel helpless and you feel like it's never going to get better. And you feel like no one can help you right? You feel alone and you feel afraid and you feel like no one can help you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was doing a lot of research. I remember in the first, you know, year, year and a half. And then at some point I kind of just gave up. Mm. I was like, okay, I'm going to work from bed. Aww. I have to learn how to read again. Aww. I didn't really enjoy that versus being yeah. outside. Right. Uh, I have to adjust to all this. And, you know, friends would ask me, that in a very caring way, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? But I didn't want to keep talking about the same thing over and over again. So at some point I'd even stopped talking about it as much. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just this kind of cycle and a spiral that really took over my life for a number of years. And, you know, years sounds like a long time. It felt like an eternity. Yes. 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 Yeah. I could only imagine. Um, I, my lung COVID symptoms probably lasted for a good five months, five to six months. Um, and like I said, they would wax and wane, but I remember there were so many times, like I would be at work. And like I said, my brain was different. Um, I was used to be like a level one trauma ICU nurse and then transitioned as a mental health nurse practitioner who worked in a very acute psychiatric setting, you know, I, I remember walking in just in my office and the phone ringing us like, I can't do this. Like I, like just the phone ringing, like, you know, I was so my, I was so sensitive to my environment, you know, just sounds and pressure and anything that represented stress, like was so overwhelming for me, you know? Um, so, and then you go through the periods when the afternoon, the afternoon is when the brain fog would hit me, you know, and I'd be, I, I, after one o'clock, my brain was shut down. I, from one to seven, there was nothing like I could, all I had, I, the only thing I could do was rest. And it was such an odd thing for me because I was always someone, and now I look back on it, who was always in fight or flight, you know, and always just working in chaos, you know, um, 
from childhood. I was used to it, you know? And so that was where I thrived was in chaos and making decisions, but I couldn't do that anymore. And it sucked, you know, it sucked not being able to, and just plan something simple, like in my household, you know, I couldn't do that stuff anymore. And my brain was literally shut down. It was such an odd um, helpless feeling like I had my, my body said, you're laying down, like, that's it, you know? Yeah. So, um, so what, what was the thing? Cause there's usually a thing that happens where you're had enough of the suffering. What was it for you? What was the shift? Yeah. And I think this is really important because it also connects my story and your story. Um, and so I, I'll try and tie it in a, a neat bow if I can. Um, but about five years in, I had a colleague tell me about um, a book and an app and a few other things that all really spoke to what we call modern pain neuroscience. And modern pain neuroscience in brief is talking about the brain and the nervous system and its relation to chronic pain. Um, and I could geek out on the science, you know, for hours because this is the, the stuff that really, you know, saved me and helped me. And this is kind of what I talked to the participants who joined Menda about. But even before then, I must say that I was 99.9% .9 skeptical probably even 0.9999, like the most skeptical. And there was a small sliver of me that felt a little hope again that maybe I'd found an explanation of what was going on that was different from degenerative disc disease. And you have to live with this because that didn't feel right to me. Um, mm. And so I started to learn more and more about the nervous system, the brain, mm and start to read stories of other people who had sounds like gone through similar things to what I did. Mm -hmm. And I got into all these communities of people talking about the role of thoughts and the role of emotions and, you know, jumping a few steps and I'll, I can come back to, you know, what I was learning, but the more I read, the more kind of curious and interested I got, and then I started to do some very basic, actually, meditation. Um, that was something that one of the resources recommended. There was actually the study that was done that showed that mindfulness-based stress reduction was twice as effective as usual treatments for low back pain. And I remember actually hearing or reading that and going out to my roommates at the time and feeling really excited about that and also not even knowing how to comprehend how that could even be possible. I've seen the bulging discs in my back, right? And so how does one put those two together? But, you know, in that process, I think I was opening up to maybe a different type of idea. And then I started to do some basic meditation and I had this one experience. When I say basic, I mean, there's something called a body scan where only 10 minutes long, I was doing it from my back because I couldn't sit up for very long. Um, and I remember I would just get into observing what was happening in my body. And one time I did that, the pain that I was feeling in my lower back that was always there started to move. It started to move to my legs mm -hmm. as I was meditating. 
And I said, whoa, this is weird. This is not what's supposed to happen. And something clicked, something shifted, something changed. And I'd like to say that that, you know, from then on, I really kind of bought more into the possibility that I could get better. Um, and, you know, so all the research and the stories and the science, all of it pointing to that I had something that was more commonly referred to now as neuroplastic pain or central sensitization. And these are some of the terms that I read and I just didn't really know how to make any sense of. Um, but what that means in short is I had some really tough life experiences early on in my life that primed my nervous system. And you can think of the nervous system as the wiring in a lamp, right? So it goes from the wall to the light bulb and it's 52 miles of nerves of electrical conducting nerves that send signals from our brain to our muscles and to our organs. And it connects 30 different organ systems. And so this incredibly complex thing that I started to learn more and more about now more and more, we're starting to understand how the nervous system is related to pain processing mm. and to the persistence of pain and how you can actually use those techniques of working with the nervous system to resolve sy symptoms that didn't respond to physical therapy, didn't get completely better with medication. I was suggested surgery, but now I had this other explanation that I was starting to really believe more and more. So from 0.0001% to now this experience that maybe I was at a 10% or maybe 20%. And then within a month, my symptoms actually started to get resolved down to a level where I could start to move again. And my belief started to you know naturally go up from there. That is, that's, it makes my eyes tear up. It's just, that's just so beautiful because when you're in that, when you're in that pain, you know, long COVID stuff, there's, you feel there's no hope. There's no, you feel like there's no hope. And I love what you said. You said, my mind opened up to the possibility because where there's possibility, there's hope. Right. And, and that's the thing that people have a hard time believing, you know, all of these things that the medical community is telling me to do, you know, that's where I get my answers, but they're not getting any answers. And it, it feels hopeless. And, and then they take more pain meds and then, you know, they may overdose and die, you know, and it's such an epidemic. And so you, you found hope, like there might be a possibility, like po every, anything is possible, right. You know, and anything that's possible, that's where hope is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Um, and you know, there's that saying, it's the hope that kills you. That is a, I think something I probably could have resonated with when I was in pain for so long, because you get your hopes up so many times. Yeah. You get disappointed so many times by one doctor and the next doctor and all well-meaning physicians, actually. Right. I really, really believe that. Um, yep. And I guess I was fortunate enough to get my hopes up maybe one more time. Thank you to all the listeners of How Coronavirus Saved My Life podcast. If you want to know more about me, and hear crazy family stories, 
hop on over to the podcast I make with my sister. It's called The Family Burrito. My sister, Jessie, and I made the podcast after our dad died in March of 2021. We did it as a way to heal our childhood wounds. Now we are healing and now we're having a good time. So if you want to hear more stories, crazy sense of humor, and get to know my personality a little bit better, hop on over to The Family Burrito anywhere you get your podcast streaming.